It's time for the Motown Rundown, presented by Impact 89 FM, WDBM. This is your home for all things Detroit sports, from the Lions and Tigers to the Pistons and Red Wings. Now here's your host, Ryan Rabinowitz. All right, let's get to the business. Motown Rundown, episode number 21. As always, your host, Ryan Rabinowitz, joined alongside not just my friends. Do I dare call you my my brothers in, in pride? I think we're ready to take that step. My brother. We no. got to get a better. Well, like a brothers in pride. Well, I, was at, I, was at, I was looking at Trent's one pride this, shirt. I was going to say this is one pride. Yeah. We're like, we are like one pride. We're our own one pride. Brothers in pride. We should pride. get t-shirts made. We're yeah, definitely the one pride of this of this uh, of of impact, yeah, for sure. So we're, we, because yeah. like, uh, if, for those of you that didn't listen to the Green and White Report, we had Ryan Collins and Trent Bailey both on the Green and White Report with myself. Uh, that the the live show we do here at Impact every Sunday. So tune into that. Ratings skyrocketed, by the way. Yeah, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I felt bad for Julian because Julian, my, the other co-host on the show, I, I feel bad because he was just like you could tell he was like, well, "What have I got myself into?" I mean, these, these three are running the show. We just took it over. It was legendary because we were talking about the Wings. We were talking about the Lions. And we had to save some, obviously, for today's edition of the Motown Rundown. But yeah, it was good stuff. But uh, good thing, good good news today. Before we kick it off, not sick anymore. Feel great. I, that I'm is great news. I feel great. I will say though, it's not helping the fact that it's like negative three degrees outside. Yeah, it's brutal. As as Ryan Collins would say, it's unbelievable yeah, how cold yeah, it is. It's outside. unreal. Yeah, but it's it's not like here's my thing. Here's my thing because we got hit with all that That's snow so that that most recent night or whatever it was when all the snow came down. Yeah, and I I spent thirty minutes scraping my car off. I don't need snow beyond Christmas. Maybe I'll give you New Year's. No, that's that's always been my thing. Yeah, yeah. after Christmas, a New I don't Year's want it. a New Year's snow is 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 fine. But anything afterwards, I mean, we're into what January twenty first today. By the way, Happy MLK yes. Day. By the way, shout out my cousins. My cousin's birthday. Awesome. Throw that out there. Shout out cousin cousin Trent. Her name's Trent's Megan. Cousin yeah. Megan. <laughs> Megan. Shout out. I love it. <laughs> but it's like the snow's ridiculous because you walk outside. I was gonna buy. I got an Amazon gift card, so nice. I might I might buy one of those uh, face shields like you'd use for. For snowboarding, because I just can't take the wind. Yeah, no, but it's very necessary. It's it actually is necessary to wear those things. It's brutal, but anyway. So before we kick it off here to our Detroit sports, some good national sports yesterday, Championship Sunday. Did you guys enjoy? It? I think I was one of the greatest NFL Championship Sundays ever. I saw someone say it's the best day in football. I've never been more mad in my entire life. There's two games. How is it the best day in football? Well, what would you consider the best day in football? Like a, a random November day where there's like six like college football ranked matchups. I I, okay. I enjoy stuff like that. I I enjoy quantity more than quality. I, I would agree yeah, with that. I, like Thanksgiving football to me is better because you have like we have one more game maybe. Yeah, three. But it's just it's just and the, then you got college basketball mixed in there too. Yeah, so it's, it's a good day. It's just the day. I mean, you're with your family. It's awesome. I'd also say too the i mean the saturday and what uh the college football conference championship day that's a great day too that was a sweet day this year no 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 it is a good day day. i i agree with that but there's something about like having like eight games in one day that i just love it's too much no i love love that i just love like being able to like turn on like espnu and there's like a like a Big Twelve game between Texas Tech and Baylor. Yeah, uh, See, I, I love that. I loved yesterday. I no, thought, no, I, I loved. Yeah, it, it was, was great. Right. Yeah, but for me, yesterday was yeah the best day in football. I'd say this year because I, I was entertained all day long. Yeah, two overtime. I games. loved it. It was so good. I was ne- neither one of the teams I was rooting for won. Yeah, but that's all right. That's true. By the I way, I think either. the Chiefs are a little bit like the Lions in that they have not won in forever and they get 
Uh, they well, tend they... to have bad, bad, uh, bad demons. What do you call that? Bad luck. Yeah. I don't know. Mojo. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think yesterday is. I mean, it's tough to lose the way they did with the offside. D Ford being offside and stuff, but I, it's not like a bad law. It's not like no, something not you can loss. like. It's not something you're gonna be haunted about for like years. Right, like the Saints, especially are it's, be. it's who they lost like to. Like the Saints, well, yeah. Right? Like the Saints are gonna be haunted for years. Yeah. The last two years, That's you brutal. lose to Minnesota on a hill mary, basically. Not even a hill on mary, a fluky. Yeah, yeah like a, a fluke seventy five yard like touchdown pass, right. and then the next year you kind of get screwed. Even though I think they would have lost regardless, but whatever. I this begs the question to me now before we get into it. Is I've always been a been a very big advocate for the NFL changing the overtime rules. I think the fact that yeah. in the playoffs, maybe maybe even if you just change it in the playoffs, kind of like how hockey regular yeah. season you play three on three, but right. but oh, and uh, in the playoffs it's five on five until you know you whatever. It's and then you have like se- seven overtimes. Exactly. So I does it beg the question that does the NFL have to change their overtime? Because it just it to me it's weird. I don't get but it. But it's just so it's so stupid how I get like you know you're you're you gotta hold strong on D and if you play good D you can win the game off the first drive. But I I I I'm telling you right now the Chiefs win the coin toss they win. Yeah. Bottom line. Yeah. No. I and agree. To, for Patrick Mahomes not to get a chance to go down the field and score and to to cost you to go to the Super Bowl it's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm sitting there with my roommate. And I'm li- I, li- I we said to each other like whoever wins the coin toss is going to win the game mm. because both defenses haven't been able to stop the other team in the last you know two right. quarters plus. So. I don't know. I think it's a little ridiculous overtime rule, but like to offer some objectivity, it's kind of like, you know, the Saints definitely could have won earlier. Yeah. They, they should have won. They, they, they should have put them out of their misery in yes. the first half. Yeah. And the Chiefs shouldn't have gone down 17-7 or 14-0. You know, then maybe we're having a different conversation. Brutal timeout usage again from Andy Reid. He's like trying to get the football again. Does he know Tom Brady's the quarterback? Yeah. Like yeah. I was like, yep. what are you doing? Tough, tough, but. Hey, you know what? Not as important as the Pistons, which we got to get into. Not yeah. nearly as important. Not as even Pistons. close to being important as the Detroit Pistons. Back-to-back wins from the Pistons coming as of late. An overtime win over the Magic. Another win over the Heat at home. Uh, most recent game dropping on a buzzer beater to the Kings. First of all, before we get into like the grand scheme of things, Buddy Heel double dribbled. Yeah, no it was the most. I know we've talked about it like recently, but it I because watching the the thing full. Full time. Shouldn't have been in that situation. Watching anywhere. it live, watching it live, I was like, oh, it, wow, like what a shot. Of course, uh-huh. you know, what you walk away from the TV. But then I, I watch it again on some local news sports show, and the anchor, the legendary, was like, I, I want to stir up some controversy, but I think Buddy Heel double dribble. I'm like, I'm watching it. I just popped up yeah, on the call. I was like, I cannot believe no one saw it. Like, nobody, no one yeah, said anything. Right. Yeah. So that, that, that was tough. It's but, a little, it's a little ridiculous. But I, they they play Washington today, or as we're recording this, as a, as a matinee version of the Motown Rundown, a little little one thirty p.m. action. Pistons yep. play at two o'clock today. Uh, so even in the last couple games, even in the wins, you know they 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 take a game to overtime against the Magic, who I I don't think is is anywhere near no. as strong of a team as the Pistons. They were in control that game most of the game too, right? They, they, yeah, and, and even even against the Heat, I mean, it's a you're you're up and you're feeling great, and then it just the the margin just yeah smaller and smaller and smaller. So, first question I want to kick it off with it, it what is what is the issue with this team when it comes just their second half play. It's like you know when the Pistons go to the locker room, they could be up by 20 at the first half. You know you're biting your nails in a five-point game in the stretch. What is it about this team? They can't play half-court offense because they don't have the guard play to do it anymore. 
I mean, like, literally, their only half-court offense, when you look at it, is Blake. It's Blake backing down, playing bully ball, and then kicking it out. And you uh, you often see this from the Pistons, too. They get out to an 11- or 12-point lead, and probably, like, two minutes left in the third, or even, like, five minutes left in the game. And they never can put it away. They mm-hmm. just can't put it away. And I... It, that they have to do that. They, I don't think they've had an easy one all season. If you really look at yeah, it, I, yeah, seriously, they've grinded out games a lot. The ebbs and flows of games sometimes just it makes me really upset because yeah, like you said, they're they were off I think seventeen on the Heat mm-hmm. in the second quarter or the third quarter or something like that, and then you just kind of knew it wasn't really over. I mean, because you just have seen this all year. And for me, the problem is the second unit. They just that they rely the Pistons rely too much on production from Blake Griffin. And then sometimes Andre, and sometimes Reggie Bullock. You know, when Reggie Bullock isn't hitting his threes, his team doesn't usually do very well. But it's just that's why it's frustrating. It's because like you can't you can't win that way. You can't win mm-hmm. if you're relying on your first on your your starters and your top three players to score a combined sixty points every night. Because that's just not going to happen. So I think that's the biggest problem. I think getting Zaza back was big. You saw that against the Heat. He didn't have a, he didn't have a bucket until it was the biggest one of the game. Um, so, so I, I, I think the second unit will improve a little bit as we go. And then the loss of the Kings didn't have Andre. I know right. you guys aren't huge Drummond fans, but I just wanted to bring that up because it's important. You know, it's no, just, no, no, yeah, I, yeah. I get that, but they show they just you're up ten points. Yeah, with I five agree. Minutes left. I, I definitely agree. Put it away. Agree. Put it away. I one hundred percent agree. I'm just saying in but terms he hit of like on, six threes that yeah. the game was a joke. <laughs> I, it, it was pretty ridiculous. The Pistons had no no business losing that game. I'm just saying on paper when you lose to a, a mediocre team. Without your second best player, I, it's uh, I can live with it. It just sucks because we had it. You're right. The how do you allow Buddy Heal the possession before that? Before he hit yeah. the buzzer beater, he's wide. Open. How do you aneurysm. allow that? Like, how do you allow that? How the possession before they hit the buzzer beater? Complete empty dis- possession. No idea what they were doing. It was this force. It was ridiculous. It, it was a classic. Pistons possession where it's like, oh, is Reggie going to take this shot? Oh, (laughs) no, Reggie's not. Is Blake? Oh, let's take a horrible 15-footer contest. It's pretty agonizing to watch, it is. They're so... uh, The Pistons are like the worst. (laughs) They are. They really are. They're really bad when they go off script. That's the problem. You have to have... like Maybe that's on Coach Casey. Maybe that's on you know Reggie Jackson. I have no idea. But you got to know what you're doing, especially coming out of timeouts and and, in crucial possessions like that. And you're just... what You just dump it to Blake and let him... Like make something against the magic and on the uh, potential game winner in the oh, fourth yeah, quarter before. Yeah. Like, what are we doing, guys? Get the ball you, to gonna, Blake. You, give the ball to Blake, and then he dribbles it around. Even though you oh, should every, just take it to the rim. Every but, time you're in a bonus, the Pistons should give it to Blake. Yeah, and go it, to the rim. Yeah, literally, he's gonna get fouled or he's in store. Exactly, yeah. every single time. Yeah. What I just don't understand is I I, I look at I I was so optimistic about the team coming into this year because I I do think you look at Dwayne Casey's teams in Toronto they play very co- like they've played cohesive basketball under under Dwayne he's he's a very good coach in, yeah, in my is. opinion but like you said the perfect word to say is they go off script it's like I I feel like it's like watching an AAU team like they'll come yeah. down the floor and they freak out and it just they they stray away from the bread and butter of you know using Blake using Andre and then I got to watch Andre Drummond standing out on top of the key it just yeah. it, it, that that type of basketball does it make sense for the Pistons? It just looks confusing. It it, it does, and so I don't know if, if if I gotta point the finger at Coach Casey and go, dude, like I don't know what you're drawing up game plan wise, but like you guys have said, 
all these games that I watch the Pistons play in, it's I have to. It's the five minutes left that I'm sweating because I don't know right. if you're going to get an absolute collapse or if you you can put the game away. And in this Eastern Conference, I mean, I look at the standings. The Pistons are sitting in ninth right now, five through one in the East: Bucks, Raptors, Pacers, Sixers, Celtics. It's like a completely different league than the rest of the East. Because you look at, you cut off at five, and six you have the Nets, Heat, Hornets, Pistons, Wizards, Magic, and then I guess you have the Hawks, Knicks, Bulls, Cavs in a separate tier. But that middle of the pack, the Pistons on paper are by far the best team out of that out of that middle grouping that I mentioned. Yeah. So what's frustrating is that I, I'm looking at the standings each day. You're a 10 seed. You're a nine seed. You creep into eight. And at this point in the season, where you know you're, you're starting to, to see the teams that are really gonna, like, where everyone's starting to place themselves in this mix, because we were talking at the beginning of the season or early in the year that the Pistons are, are, are a pretty solid. I think Collins was more on the lower tier, lower half of the eight. And Trent, me and you were like, yeah, four or five seed, no brainer. Yeah. And now it's like I, I don't see at all them them moving ahead of the Sixers or the Celtics. And I mean, you know, the the Nets can seem to somehow are, are a decent team this year. Yeah. And, and the upcoming schedule for the Pistons too, you know, it's Wizards, Pelicans, Mavs. You throw the Bucks in, which is a tough game, but Mavs again, Clippers. Like these are games you have to win yep, for sure. Because if you come out of this stretch of the games I named, the next handful of games, and you come out two and three, that solidifies. I mean, you're that's it. You're an eight seed if you're lucky. If you can't pull out, if you can't go four and one, if you can't be a legit basketball team and beat the Wizards today and beat the Pelicans and beat the Mavs twice, and if you drop one of the Bucks, I'm fine with it at home. But if you can't come out four and one, I mean, that just shows me like I I need you guys to like this is it like yeah like. Sell someone. I think they're you going can't to. Buy. You can't buy. I think they're going to. Really? I, 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 there's just a feeling that that I think that LA stand with like the lack of effort that you, the, the, you see in front of like the two games your owner goes to, mm-hmm. and maybe the fact that like some pieces aren't working together. And I, I'll, I'll never give Reggie Reggie Jackson. Unfortunately, is not the best player, and he takes a lot of flat because he. Takes bad shots on the game and plays hero ball, but it's not because his effort is gone. He actually like tries. Yeah, he plays hard. Yeah, he plays hard, but he he just physically can't do it anymore. Injuries have caught up to him. But I I think there's gonna be some t- sort of like trade or something. I I could see Stanley going somewhere else. It's a change of scenery. I could see a couple of guys change it up because uh, the what it what's the point of being the eight seed in the East just to lose in four four or five games. There's right. no point. I'm I'm what I'm like there's no in the right now there's no like upside you see from this team. Exactly. And that's that's the key thing. Is that if you were to see that's why I say like that th- they need to pull it together because this this next stretch of ten games, I mean you go into the all star break when that stuff starts happening, like that's when if you're not playing good basketball and you're not Eight and two of your last ten, and you're five and five. Then that's where I just there's there's no, and we've said it because we we look at the you know last year with the Blake trade, and you give up your pick in in, in the first round, you, like you're you're trying to make something out of what looks like now it, it's nothing. I mean, it just doesn't work. 
clearly. And whether you're, whatever your opinion is on the, can Blake and Andre play together? Or is Reggie the guy, which I think a lot of people now are like, Reggie's just, you know, like you said, Collins, it just, he doesn't look athletically the same that he's not going to get back to he was in 2015 right so i just the problem that i have with this organization and i get it that it's not detroit basketball it's not a market like la where i think i think detroit's a better basketball town when they're good than like the than they have in the the lakers i i genuinely believe that you don't think so i do but there's the lakers are like a top three like organization but being but being in la i guess the point i'm trying to make is i think there's people that are in la that buy the jersey and go to the game because it's something to do in la i think the lakers is a thing so i'm saying like the the fans here yeah maybe it's a bad comparison to la but the fans here care like we care yeah and this organization you know you never hear about the pistons ever on like espn they may throw out a blake griffin dunk highlight in a sneaky like number eight slot in the top 10 plays but it's never the pistons are shopping this player the pistons are looking here oh coach casey this they're the they're just so reactive to the point where you can't be reactive where you're sitting you're, you're the pistons are almost in Worse of a spot on a team like the Cavs or the Suns because oh, they are. There's they no are. you're you're like they you're are. just you're you're just treading water yeah. and you're not doing anything. So I, I'm just I'm so because I could I could just easily see at the trade deadline there goes Stanley and they're bringing in you know Bradley Beal to come in for no reason yep. obnoxious money just to just to force it and say oh if we if we build, if we have all these you know players out here that you know maybe a couple years ago were really solid. You know, we, we can win some games, but I, that's just not the way to go for me. I, it's not the correct way to go, but if you're going to have all this money sent into two players, why not just have all your money sent into three players? I Like, honestly, go either way. Like, either sell off this whole team or just go completely all in and make, make a fool out of yourself. Because so- make it entertaining. Right now, they're yeah. not entertaining to watch. And there, there's some positives the last couple of games. I mean, Luke Kennard's came on a little bit, having 19 and 22 in his past two. But there's not a lot of good feelings with this team. Uh, and I love the Pistons. Probably, like, my favorite team in during the winter. So, between two teams. So <laughs> That's great. Yeah, great. That's great. prestigious yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, that's huge. Cool, huge. man. Cool, man. But, I mean – you move away from 70% of your fans in Oakland County, and they have the lowest fan percentage like, in the seats in the entire NBA. Yeah, and that, that just, it just comes down to the product. I mean, yeah. I, I genuinely, yeah. like, when it I, rem- I vividly remember. They had a 10-year sellout street. Yeah, that's what I say. I vividly remember, you know, in the, obviously, the, the, the area with, you know, the going-to-work Pistons, going to those games, and it's packed. It was the best atmosphere in the NBA. Yeah, it was and, great. And now, so that's the thing where I... I, I, you know, it's it's not cheap to go to games anymore for any team, but especially in an area like Detroit, where you know you have a decent level of poverty, people can't pay the money to go into Little Caesars Arena and watch and mediocrity. watch this product. Yeah. it's not what's not worth. Right, it. and it's not it's not that the fans aren't like true or they're not staying true. To, I I totally agree with what you're saying because mm-hmm. it's like when the Pistons. When the Pistons get back up to that kind of, I don't know if it's this year, next year, two years, whatever, back to that watchable phase where they're like a top five team in the East or like competing for that, then you'll see a lot more of those seats full and stuff like that. But I do want to just kind of bring this up because it's like, I I don't want this to get lost. I think that Clippers win was impressive to me. 
the Heat and the Magic wins were impressive to me just because this team showed that they can gut out a close win. Now, granted, they lost to the Jazz. They lost to the Kings in close games. Both They blew both 10-point leads in both those games. Yeah, they, they cannot they did. keep a lead. It's so, crazy. So it's, that, like they're, it's like I'm watching Red Wings. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty agonizing and it's frustrating. But all I'm saying is at least you've got something in recent – because the whole month of December, like the second half of December and the first half of January was – dismal you know yeah. what i mean yeah. awful i think we went like 14 and 6 or 15 and 6 something like that yeah that's or, or 6 and you know what yeah, I mean? 6 and 14 yeah. yeah that's absolutely awful and and now the pistons have won two out of the last three in their close games and you've actually seen something you're kind of like okay they lose on a fluke shot the buddy healed it's ridiculous but i think it's too early to and and, and uh too early to just like throw in the towel because the East is the East, right? You know what I mean, right? There, and and I'm crazy because I'm I'm. You guys know how I am with this kind of stuff. But there's only one team in the East I don't want to play in the playoffs, and it's the Raptors. I, yeah. I I or maybe the Celtics too, but we won't be playing the Celtics because they're going to get the five or the four seed. Mm-hmm. So if the Pistons can get the eight or the seven or the the six, you know, and play the Pacers and the Bucks, that would be a, maybe the Pistons could make that a series, and then you go into next year saying, okay, what do we got to do to improve? You know, unless they do that at the deadline now, I don't know. I just want to bring that up because the East is the East. At the end of the day, you don't have to have uh, an above five hundred record to make the playoffs. It doesn't look like this yep. year, so that's just that's weird. That's crazy. It's so different than the West, but the Pistons can still get something rolling and make this season productive. Because, like you guys say, they're too good to be too bad. That's Collins' yeah. trademark. Yeah. That's, but I, like I that. mean, they if they, I think the season, I, it's success of a season for them this year because I. I think getting the five or four seed would be like the highest like of their ceiling possible for this type of talent they have on this roster. But to make a success out of this season is like going to like seven games in a playoff series because yeah. I I don't think it's even possible for them to win one. Yeah, it's, like I like well, okay, yeah I, I kind of agree. That's what I'm saying. Like if they could take the Bucks no, no, six I, or seven games, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I don't think they could because the Bucks just. They have a really good coach in Mike Budaholzer, and Giannis is just a freak. Yeah, and the two games I've watched the Pistons play Giannis this year, they might have the worst game plan I've ever seen. They don't throughout. have an answer for yeah, They did yeah. have a shot to win it, though. Blake missed it, but they yeah, did have a shot still, to win the game. I think Giannis had like 30 in the first half of that game. But yeah. still, I, it, until there's changes made with this Pistons organization and like the head ownership actually carrying, it, they're, they're not going to win. I think that's a... Well, I do agree that I think Goris is one of the worst owners in the entire NBA, besides maybe who's the Suns guy that dude's a clown. Yeah. Yeah. Was but like, but Goris, is, Goris has no idea what's going on. You know, when he talks to the media, it's the most vague. He's just waiting thing. to sell the team to yeah, Gilbert. I, I, <laughs> like, it, I would love if Dan Gilbert bought the team. I honestly would. But because Dan Gilbert at least has proven that he'll go all in. You know, yeah. he paid J.R. Smith. What was that? Like, Collins' Obnoxious. favorite player, yeah, a bunch of money. <laughs> Tristan Thompson's getting paid, and I love Tristan Thompson, I do, but like he's not worth what he's get paid, right. getting right. paid. So I don't know. It's it like the ownership thing is really interesting, but mm-hmm. okay, I don't know. Let's move on to the Lions. Yeah. All right, you sure? Yeah. All right, we'll go on to the Lions now. We got Pistons playing today at two o'clock. Well, I guess by that time, if they lose to the right. Wizards, I yeah, I might not watch. I, I was going to say this. This season. as Ooh. crazy as it sounds, this is a big even game. A, even though. I'm pretty sure the Pistons have played on MLK the last like three years, and it's been the worst game I've ever yep. watched. I remember time. MLK Day against the Clippers in I think 2014. We got just murdered. Just uh, MLK crushed. Day against the Hornets last year. The Hornets, the Pistons' arch nemesis, who they like <laughs> cannot beat. I think Marvin Williams had like four threes in a row, and I did. I almost broke the TV. Random <laughs> thought, but great. 
All yeah, right. Yeah. Let's move on to the Lions now. Uh, obviously, as we said a couple weeks ago now, uh, Lions no longer with uh, Jim Bob Cooter. Love it. We don't need to get into that. I'm we, still celebrating that, yeah, by the way. Yeah, we still love it. Um, Daryl Bevel is your new offensive coordinator for your De- Detroit football Lions. Uh, a little bit of background on him, if, if, you, if you haven't been in the news. And, of course, by the way, I have to just mention it. Every single time Lions news happens, it is like literally, it feels like it's 30 minutes after the show yep. that we do. So we apologize for getting this kind of late, but it's not daylight, but week week long yeah, news, no, week no, old news. But yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. It's anyway, Bevel not active in the league this previous season. Uh, he was let go from Seattle in January of 2018. He was the offensive coordinator of that team since 2011, uh, winning a Super Bowl in Seattle, going to another one. Uh, previously, the offensive coordinator of the Vikings from 06 to 2010. Uh, before taking that Seattle job, uh, Trent had a great article about uh, the whole his whole mindset on, on on the hiring. So I'll start with you, Trent. Uh, very simply, is this a good hire for the Lions? It is, and um, I'm probably just going to end up regurgitating a lot of what I said on the yeah, Green I mean, White that's Report. Yeah, I said we had but, to we had to do it today again too. So right, um, I I he's he, you may not have heard of this guy, but uh, he's definitely qualified. He's got the tools. He's got the pedigree. To, to be an offensive coordinator in the league and specifically for the Detroit Lions. Because you look at what the Lions are trying to do. They're trying to to play through Carryon Johnson. They got mm-hmm. their guy now. You know, we drafted him in the second round last year. They they, you know, accept that that first Jets game. From then on, it was like give Carry on the ball. They were doing that. They were winning when they were doing that. And then he goes down in, in, in week ten, I think it was, and he still was top thirty in the league in rushing. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Missed six games, five point four yards per carry. I love him. I think all Lions fans love yes. him. He's going to be 100% for uh, training camp because he avoided surgery. So what you look at is you got carry on. You're going to play through him. That's a, that's abundantly clear. Mm-hmm. And you look at what Bevel has done in his career. All he's done is had great rushing offenses. Yes. In, in his four years in Minnesota, excuse me, five years, he had a top, let, let's see here, top uh, 10 rushing offense three times in his five years in Minnesota. They won the division twice. And then in Seattle, he only had a losing record once. And the Seahawks went to two Super Bowls, like you said, Ryan, won the first. Bevel had a top 10 rushing attack four times in seven years. Granted, he did have Adrian Peterson, did have Marshawn Lynch, but at the end of the day, the system matters. You know what yes. I mean? Getting yep. and, and if and honestly, if carry on could be 70% of what AP was or or 70% of what Marshawn was, this team will win games. Mm-hmm. They will win a lot of games because Matt Stafford, you know, I and I, I said this on the Green and White Report as well. Um the main takeaway for this, to me, is you're you're balancing your quarterback, who's your leader, he's your best player, with a run-based offense because then you get the best of both worlds. And the Lions being able to establish the run game with carry-on, handing it off to him first and second down, setting up run-pass options for deep shots to Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, things like that, it's really going to open it up for the Lions. And just in general, I said this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the, the Cooter firing, a different offensive coordinator alone – is going to you know if we had had we had a different offensive coordinator last year, the Lions are eight and eight, at mm-hmm. least, and and that that's with all these other things like the bad offensive line play certain games and s- stuff like that. But anyways, bottom line for me, uh, he he's a run based coach. I think he's going to do very well here. I'm excited to see how it goes. But I it, it's a hire, and and he also worked with Brett Favre before he became this running running back guru. So that's impressive to me. You work with a quarterback with a great arm. Stafford has that. So overall, it's a hire that I think Lions fans should love. Uh, I, I'm not gonna say it's a bad hire. Not gonna say it's a great hire. 
I think it's just like medium. Mm-hmm. I I actually like how they have a direction, though, what they're going with. They're like, hey, we're going to be a run-oriented fo- football team, sorry, and we're going to play we're gonna play complementary football. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to run the football, keep the time of possession, and then we're going to play good defense. I don't hate them going in that direction, but I, I think people who – I don't think there's a lot of people who expect this, but if you are expecting this, for Matthew Stafford to kind of be unleashed in Bevel's offensive team, he's not. It's going to be more what you've kind of seen with more shutdowns. It's not not shutdowns. I'm not saying that. I'm just it's going to be he's going to be put more into a game manager role. Just that's just the way his Daryl Bevel's offense works. It doesn't matter who's that quarterback. I mean, you put Russell Wilson there for the majority of the time he was there. So I think there's going to be I like that they're not trying to put all this pressure on. I like that they're zigging when everyone's zagging. Mm-hmm. That everyone's going to these pass oriented offenses. Don't, they want to do high flying. I like that, but it, it, it's kind of hard for me to make a take that this is bad or good until I've seen something. But they had to get a guy who's run oriented because the run seems been broken for about exactly since Stafford's been here. So that, that's why I think it's exciting. Yeah. You know, that's exactly no, no, the yeah. La- yeah. The last thing you said, I completely agree with. The, the The run scheme has been terrible for the last decade. So it's it's exciting at least that you're bringing in something yeah. like this because you can at least look forward to this and you have carry on. Yeah, Johnson. I think you're saying that carry on's our best asset and we're gonna build around him. Yeah, which well, I don't hate. You've you've seen from carry on that like this is a guy that deserves the ball. Yeah, and, for sure. And, and, He's and, a star. As you guys said in the past decade of Lions football, it it. You know, you've had good athletes. Like Reggie Bush was a good athlete. Javid, ba- I mean, you know, they're not that premier running backs, but it was just the the scheme was so predictable and dry and bland. So this hire, to me, I think it was a a, a good. I believe it's a safe hire only because it's a guy that's, that's proven his worth to to where yes. on paper you show this to an average fan. And they look at Bevel's resume, and they go, "Oh, he's won a Super Bowl. This is a great hire." Right. You know? He also and that's, lost the Super Bowl, though. Uh, right, and that's where people. No, I, people I see do, on, you people see that on Twitter. That yeah. oh, he didn't run the ball in the one. Yeah, which yeah, again, Pete, the, yeah. Pete Carroll took pretty much yeah. the entire blame for. And, so if you're gonna judge, if you're gonna judge this guy because he didn't run the ball that was, on, on first and goal in the yeah. Super Bowl, like that's okay. yeah. And if you're telling me up front, you know, you're gonna get me to two and win me one, I will. No, for sure. Worship yes, sure. you forever. Fine. Yes. But the one thing I will say, last thing I'll say, he did work behind very good defenses. Of course. I mean, Seattle, yeah. Seattle's Legion of Boom, that was a top like five defense of all time. Yeah, so. they were. Yeah, they, so, were, they yeah, it's were great. Fair. It's, but they played complimentary football. That's yep. what I'm saying. That's what the Lions are trying to build. And you, and you hope that with Patricia yeah, you being have the guy behind coach. the defensive coach, that's like you said, it's the complimentary football. So I just think that this hire is, you know, like you guys have both said, it's in-your-face, run-the-ball football. And, and it, it's worked with Bevel. His, his scheme has worked. And so I really believe that you win football up the middle. I, I think that still, yeah, despite it sure. being a passing league, if you can't run the ball, you've seen what happens. We've well, seen yeah, it as, you, as, you, as You as can't Lions get fans. free for anything. You know, the separation yard stat is your favorite thing in the world because it's like it, it, that's all you got to look at. Yeah, and, and I, I just look at, I look at his, not only Bevel's resume, but... Like you, like we've hit it on the head. Seattle has consistently been in the top of the league at the rushing with the rushing offense, and that's what that. If you can start there, other things around it will start to work. And I I also remember reading that you know Pete Carroll called the drafting of Russell Wilson Bevel's project. So the fact that Bevel, first of all, 
you know, put that much faith in Russell Wilson and has now turned Russell Wilson into, or had a very big part in turning Russell Lions Wilson drafting into. drafting Kyler Murray now? I, I hope not. I'd oh lose boy. my mind. That would yeah, be I unreal. I'd lose my mind. The Tigers can can go after Kyler Murray. But, That'd be sweet. Yeah, I mean, nice. Kyler but, Murray's going to be a stud, by the way. Just saying. Which sport? Football. Okay. Well, he's Russell Wilson. I agree. I agree. Three, I think, he, I think he he's Russell play Wilson except like three inches smaller. Sure. Yeah. But but anyway, that being you know Bevel's project of taking Russell Wilson, who you could say maybe he's an undersized guy, you know, and, and I think coming into the league, it was no one really expected Russell Wilson to be this good. But you know, I, I just I think that he'll be able to work with Stafford in a way where you know, do I see? I, I would love to see like the. Seven, eight years ago, Matthew Stafford, five, seven-step drops, launching balls down the field, yeah. four touchdowns, two picks a game, or whatever. I'm, you know, that I, I love that kind of stuff from Stafford because I do think he's that good that can do it. But I look at Seattle's offenses, like they're they don't have they're kind of like the Patriots in the sense of they don't have these big name receivers, you know. It right. Just, they, they they make do with what they got because they have some good athletes, you know. Your Lockets, your Curse, you know, whatever guys have been playing the Baldwins that were on that team with with Russell Wilson when Bevel was the coach over there. Right. And you know, I look you know, the the Lions. Your Galladay, who's a solid deep throw. I think the Lions receivers they have in Jones and Galladay and. Are, are better than anything that the, the Seahawks have ever had. So I'm excited in a sense of I think Matthew Stafford now finally is going to be able to feel weight taken off his yeah. shoulders and that it's going to be in your face, smash mouth football, hand it off, let your guys work. And when he needs to drop back on second or third down and get you yards, he can do that. He absolutely, absolutely. can. The, I, the biggest thing about this hire is the run game, the commit the the committing to the run game. And then the second biggest thing is making Stafford comfortable. I think this hire is huge for Stafford just mm-hmm. because you're going to be establishing a run game. You're going to be controlling time of possession, just like the Patriots did last night. You know, we saw that. Not saying it's going to be that drastic. I think it was like forty four minutes twenty one or something mm-hmm. like that crazy. But I don't know. I I think it's it, like like you said, it's gonna make Stafford a lot more comfortable and I like it. I mean, do you I think this hire though is gonna be interesting in the draft. I don't know what they address if they do. If I think because I could see them going on the first round draft and no alignment again. I would. I would lose my mind. If I would. I, I would hate it. But yeah. I mean, every single year I see them projected to take some D tackle or some secondary guy, and they end up drafting an O lineman. Well, I I I could see it happening too. But I think the Lions. I think they'll stick with D line just because. Or, they or need someone on the defense. Just because it, it is Patricia's yeah. first. It's Patricia's Patricia's first or second draft, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know they, who they take. We got Frank Ragnow last yeah. year in the first yeah. round. Yeah, I, I think they'll still stick with defense. I hope. I would yeah. like to think so. And, and the, the thing too is, you see these cases of you don't need these big name guy like these guys that were huge names in college to work if the, if the system works. And the Patriots last night are just the prime example of if the system works. And you have enough talent to where, again, you know, Tom Brady is not an athletic guy. He's not the most talented thrower of the ball. But you get guys open and you, and you give him different looks and he can do what he has to do. And, I mean, Tom He's Brady's one of the quarterback Exactly. Ever. He's a genius. But if, if you go back to the O-line, which if you don't have a good O-line, good luck running the ball, first yes, of all. Definitely. But, you know, I there's question marks around TJ Lang. Is he going to hang him up? I 
would like to think he he he's able to come back for maybe another year or two. You can't. I think he will. You, I, yeah. If you have to restructure his contract, so you're not paying the guy, and I think he's a he seems like a guy that'd be willing to do that. Rick Wagner is where I just I don't know if I can watch it anymore. Nine and a half million a year. It, it's it's but I mean you look at Ragnow, Glasgow, Decker, and even Crosby, who we we started to see towards the end of the year. I'm fine with that. You plug in another guy somewhere yeah. else, and I I really do think that Ragnow should have been the center this year, Definitely. especially with how high you draft him. I don't understand because Glasgow was a was a guard at some point too, you know. It, so that was tough, but yeah, I mean, obviously we'll we'll touch on the draft stuff as it gets closer. But I think you got to go defensive side of the ball, but. I, I'd like to see, I, I'd hope, and Trent, you mentioned it on, on, on Sunday too, you know, Luke Wilson played under Bevel. So if if Bevel sees something in him and his game that he can utilize, because I think the tight end play was so bad from the line. It was just missing. It, well, yeah, it was, just, it it was the biggest hole on offense because it was never yeah. never there. It wasn't even existent. So I, I think it's it's a bright spot, but, I mean, having, you know, having Bevel come in, I, I've, I really haven't been this excited about a Lions season and, and you know, I hope, I pray. There's no. You're excited about this Nets line season. Yeah, I am. I am too. I absolutely am. I am too. How are you not? Um, After the this season, I'm being serious. I I was most optimistic I've ever been about the Lions, and they completely let me down. So I I I truly don't think this team is in a position to do anything special. So I thought this year maybe they would take a big step, and they took a step back. So I see my my thing with that is I I drink the Kool Aid like I I I just gulp down. Yeah, I I slam it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, I know. We all know. Yeah, but I. But <laughs> the point being is that I think now each year I find this new beacon of hope. And in last year, what's your beacon this year? Was is Daryl Bevel is okay. is not having okay. Jim Bob Cooter. That's it. I, yeah. I just want to. I'm excited to watch the offense play. And if it's the same crap of the unprofessional stuff and the the not being buttoned up that I always talk about. Then it's just then Patricia gets my you know my then I start to just keen in on Patricia. I think Patricia's gone if he doesn't go to the playoffs. Not to the playoffs if they don't go above five hundred, he's gone. That's, I, yeah, see that, but then like, you go back to you Quinn and Patricia being tied at the hip. Does I, that mean Quinn's gone too? I think it's the only way Quinn stays if he like keeps Patricia on and he's just not the guy. Well, I mean, then you're basically signing off yourself. See, I think I think it's worth talking about. I just I don't think the Lions are going to go below 500. I don't. I think yeah. yeah. We'll talk what about you, that. What we'll did you think they were going to go this year? Ten and six. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll detail that later. We're, I think we're going. Yeah. Yeah. If I, we wanna, I see it up here. If it's we want to, if we want to touch on that, but I, my thing with with, I I will say this. This is what I'll give you, and I'll put this on the record right now. I am most excited for this Lions season than I probably have been in maybe a handful of years. Um, and a handful, you weren't excited about this season. I thought this was you got just because because I was I was in the boat of you have a first year head coach. It's it's gonna be. I mean, dude, yeah. Patricia Caldwell's a one eighty, right? You can you can get flip. more different. Yeah. yeah, so that's why I was kind of like let, and that's why I've always been you know patient settle yeah. down with Patricia. So this year though, I think in year two. With another draft coming up, and you have seen some pieces on defense that have been able to to work, I'm most excited for this season. But I'm also I also understand that this year might be the most heartbreaking year I've I've had in a while. Because if it because because now you have it all in place, you have Stafford again, you have Carry on, you have Galladay, Jones, whatever else you're putting around. 
You have a new offensive coordinator. I, I, I'm running out of excuses now to stay optimistic. So, yes, if this season they go 6-10, and 10, if they miss the playoffs, you know, I guess we'll cross the bridge when we come to it of how actually upset I am if they have a, if they have a winning record and don't make the – whatever happens. But if this year's a letdown like this past season was – I, 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 it's going to be tough. I might cry I, I, in week 17. I, I seriously, it's yeah. it just in a, in a sheer sense of hopelessness. Like the new OC is here. Do, do Here's you, your head coach. Like what's going on? I, I understand the optimism with the new hire at the offensive coordinator position. Do you guys truly believe that this team could maybe win a playoff game next year or win the division? I, th- I think they'll win the division. I do. I already have that. Yeah, I think I that'll genu- happen. I, I think because the way I look at it is the Packers right now are, are in I such... I think the Vikings are going to bounce back. They're too talented. Well, that, that I will say I think the Vikings are the biggest threat because the Vikings have the, the most explosive offense sick. in the division. And then... Bears I, defense is nasty. It They're is, but be there I, I don't think what they did this year was sustainable. I just don't. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is going to be able to do have another good year. Like they, 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 I think they'll win games, but I think they'll win games based on their defense. You know, they can't That's win what games. They with did their this offense. year, though. Yeah, I just, I, I'm just saying, I don't think, I don't think it's sustainable. Yeah, I don't it, think they can do it for another season and go ten and six. Did they go eleven and five. What? Uh, I think they went twelve and four actually. Did, I, did they, either way, yeah. I don't, I don't think they can come close to that. I think the Bears might be like an Let eight and eight look. team. It's just at best. I I at best. Dude, yeah, there's I, no I, way. I'm sorry. Dude, I'm just I don't buy into it. I just don't. I, I get I get that. I think they will take a step back or not to be 12 and four, but they're gonna be in the match. Their defense is special. Well, yeah, they'll, they'll be in the mix. I just I think the Lions it's, got yeah, a better it's, shot. It's gonna be it's gonna be tight. I'm not worried about the Packers really, but I am. I, they have Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they got well, a new they, coach. Yeah, had, I, honestly, I don't think that new coach. I that was I, a I weird. Don't, hire. I don't want to jinx it. I just I don't think it's gonna. That work. was a weird hire. I will say that. I mean, you take the Tennessee Titans <clears throat> offensive coordinator, and their offense is no world yeah, beaters. That, yeah, what do you, you look at the Titans offense? It's like, what do you love about that offense? Nothing. Yeah. I mean, but I think when I was reading something about like how he came in and they saw like a natural like I'm not interviewing here to talk about my offensive scheme, what I'm gonna do on defense. I'm just like a head coach. I'm like a good leader, which I don't hate. But yeah, I <sighs> hate I hate that people now like. Hiring a head coach is basically hiring an offensive coordinator now, which, which is, yeah. shouldn't be the case. Yeah, it's shouldn't stupid. Be the case. Yeah, it's stupid. Um, I don't, I don't really think we at this point we need to get into rec- what the record's going to be next year. Oh no, but no, I, no, but no, I, no, I, no. I do Definitely, think it's sorry. worth. I mean, I, I believe that you know, and, and Trent, you kind of got into it. Like, I, I just think Bears you have to. Four. Sorry, cool. Oh, sorry, like that. sorry, that's fine. You're right. Uh, I, Cody uh, Parkey. Yeah, well, <laughs> they could have been undefeated without Cody Parkey. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just, I, if you don't have optimism coming into this year i i so the, i maybe it's just who i am who trent is like i i, I have to be excited i have to yeah or what else am i doing what I, th- I don't think they're i don't believe they're gonna go six and ten i don't i, I don't i don't think believe that could, either i don't i i think that you bring in i'm just so excited to watch the offense this year i am i because i just genuinely next believe year. that yes next year well, this year, but next year. Okay. This this, <laughs> this season uh, still this going September. On. This year, yes, yes. So, yeah. th- the 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 biggest thing for me now is I think that, and I, I I'm curious as to what you guys think. Does this now mean with this new OC coming in here? Does is the pressure now on Matt Stafford? Is if I, I it's, as if it hasn't been on him already? <laughs> is this guy's leash like? Is it? Are we up to his neck now? Because I don't I, think it's up to his neck yet. 
And what, in the organization, what, I think in the media, okay, in the city. okay, sure. That's a, that's a good point because I think organizationally, I think they're very a, committed yeah, yeah. to Stafford. Yes, but you and know, a lot of money tied in, up in the them. media and in your in your armchair quarterbacks. If it's another seat, I don't. I just don't think Stafford will. It's not possible to be with his talent. He won't be as bad as his past year. He I, won't. He won't I, be. I think this year though is going to tell you if he's on the decline or it was just an anomaly last year. It, it, okay, I it, like that. Yeah, I like no, because no, it's. I think it's too early to write him off for sure because he's been the best player in the organization the last five years, except this year. And you, if he has another tough year, it's it's gets to the point where you're like, this probably isn't the guy who's going to take us there, which probably should already set in since he's been here ten years. But that's a different discussion. But <laughs> oh, we've had that. Discussion. Yeah, we've had it maybe a hundred <laughs> yeah, times. Don't, don't get us going. Yeah, we, yeah, we'll be another six hours in the studio, but. I I do understand what you're saying, but I I've heard it all. With what if the what if the receivers dro- start dropping ball? It, there's always a different excuse. I think Stafford's such a polarizing figure that it doesn't matter what it's going to be. He's going to have his supporters and his doubters. So yeah, I'll agree with that. <clears throat> My thing is, I think the I think more of the pressure this year is going to be on Patricia. We kind of oh, already talked sure, about it, for sure. mm-hmm. but I I think ninety percent of the pressure is on Patricia because. Yeah. Like, I think there's pressure on. There's Stafford, a lot of people though. like me and Ryan who are like, "Yeah, it was his first year. It's very frustrating, but everyone just chill out, calm down. He's going to bring in his offensive coordinator and all that stuff." But then this defense started to look really good towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, what if they come out and lay an egg in week one, week two? You know, we're going to be all upset about that. So, which I don't think will happen. I'm just bringing it up for the sake of argument. And I, I, so I, I would, I would say the, the pressure is going to be more on Patricia than Stafford simply because. Stafford, I mean, it, it's gonna. I for me, it's hard for me to even make this a question in my mind because I just don't, <laughs> I don't see Stafford playing bad next year. I just yeah. don't see it happening. But it, it, I don't know. So it counts. I will say that. I mean, looking at Stafford's numbers this year, was it the first time he hasn't thrown for over four thousand in a couple? Yeah, all this, three or every yeah. every bad. year that he's he played sixteen year. games, he yeah. threw for four thousand. Yeah, no, he had a bad year. No question, no doubts about that. I, I think there is pressure on him or in the organization and stuff. I think he might have a bad year. Maybe they look to draft someone in next year's draft. But it, I think it's all on Patricia, and I think yeah. that's where the pressure lies. And I don't believe in Patricia personally that he's the guy to take them to new heights. I just think. You look at the Patriots. You look at the Patriots last night, and you just say they can do it with anyone because Bill Belichick's the best coach of all time. Yeah, exactly. And well, yeah. So I don't get why people keep hiring Patriot assistants. Yeah. It never works. I will say I'm really glad we did not do that for offensive coordinator. That's yeah. why. That's why I was ex- that. That's why no, I was I, excited I when they, you when you showed me Bevel's resume and you said, "Here's what he's done." Because if we, yes. you know, what Shane Waldron, Rams passing court, what has he done? You know yeah. what I mean? How much does he really do? Is that McVeigh's? Pa- you know, yeah, we do, don't really. I know. would agree, definitely so, agree. But w- one thing that I just want to address, like about what you just said, is um, the thing with Patricia. The reason there's so much pressure on him is because you fired Jim Caldwell to get out of the nine and seven hole. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The Lions were going nine and seven and eleven and five under Jim Caldwell, and you go six and ten in Patricia's first year. So yeah, if next year you go eight and eight. That's a problem. I don't know if they'd fire him, but they might, you know, go into the next season. And then in the next season, if they start, you know, three and five, then he's going to get canned because it's just a matter of, dude, we hired you to kind of get us past that. If, Even though Caldwell did have three winning seasons, bring, bring you to the playoffs twice. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the defense, like, doesn't, lo- I mean, it did look good at the end of the year. I will agree yeah. with that. But I think at the beginning of the season, 
you have a 4-3 personnel on your defense and you're trying to play 3-4. And it was an issue. You always saw people like, why did they cut Settle? Because he couldn't play 3-4. So with another year under the defensive steam, if this defense can maybe become dominant, then maybe that changed my whole perspective of the whole situation in Detroit. Because I think that's the only possible way that this team becomes some sort of contender if that defense becomes top 10 in the league. So that's basically it. <laughs> Go home now. There it is. Ryan Collins. That's basically it from Ryan Collins. So down. it looks like it. it looks like Go home play NHL. That's true. We should do that. So I guess that's it yeah. for us today in the Motown Rundown. For Trent Bailey, Ryan Collins, I'm Ryan Rabinowitz. There it is, Trent. Bye. Again, any questions? Comments, suggest topics for the show, hashtag Motown Rundown. Subscribe on iTunes, Impact WDBM. New episodes come out every Monday, Tuesday, I don't know, whatever. We'll see you next time, guys. You have been listening to the Motown Rundown, brought to you by Impact 89 FM WDBM. For all your Michigan State and Detroit sports coverage, visit impact89fm.org sports and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes.